Welcome to Plugged In, Con Edison's podcast about all things related to energy. I'm your host, Bob McGee. Today, we're talking about an interesting workplace concept, unconscious bias. What is it? Is it something that can be remedied? And since what constitutes unconscious bias may mean different things to different people, how do we get a handle on it? Here today to discuss unconscious bias with us is Nicole Leon, Con Edison's Director of Diversity and Inclusion, and Ruben Jean-Louis, a Senior Specialist in Talent Management. Welcome, Nicole. Welcome, Ruben. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. So we're hearing more and more about unconscious bias. What is it? So, Bob, unconscious bias is, you know, it is a, a, a new term that we're hearing. Um, many think it's a new phenomenon, but it's, it's actually a behavior that's been around for a long time. And simply put, as humans, we take in millions of bits of information throughout the course of the day. And based on our experiences and our backgrounds and what we know and the things that we've lived, we filter and sort out that information. And we use that to make decisions to make judgments, um, and, and it involves our reactions and our responses, and that applies to even our interactions with people. So sometimes we're on autopilot, and, and the example I'd like to give you is, have you ever taken a commute home, and you know you get home and go, wow, I'm home, how did I get here? And you don't remember all the mile markers along the way, but you just know on autopilot, I made that progress and that trip here. Sometimes that's how we behave in our interactions with people. On autopilot, based on what I know, what I'm familiar with, I make a judgment or a decision about someone. And that's my unconscious bias coming into play. So are there examples of it? How does it, how does it show up? Well, it shows up pretty, because it's unconscious, right? It shows up pretty much all the time. And we don't often even acknowledge it, like Nicole mentioned, the journey. You may not actually have noticed that you've done some uh, just primal, basic functions in your everyday function. So it shows up all the time, it's a constant, and it is very useful for us. And so therefore, for that reason, we tend to think that, ah, this is how it's supposed to be. So is, is having unconscious bias a bad thing? So that's one of the things that we share with folks. Unconscious bias isn't bad, it's not good, it just is. It's a part of our reality, right? Um, what makes it where we need to focus on it a little bit more, what makes it a challenge, is if I meet someone and make a snap decision or snap judgment about that person, just by looking at them, I make a decision whether they're nice, I think they're smart, they're kind, without even getting an opportunity to know someone. And that's where unconscious bias becomes something that we need to pay attention to and maybe slow down our natural inclination to make a judgment or a decision. Is there something that affects the person who is the uh, re recipient at the other end? The recipient of someone's judgment, rush judgment, or their unconscious bias? Right. Absolutely. Because it, it impacts our relationship and it impacts the ability of you truly getting an opportunity to know who I am versus making a, a decision or kind of putting me in a box based on limited information. Right? So with unconscious bias, to become more self-aware means I'm going to take the time, give more, be more deliberate 
So like I use the example about going home on autopilot. If you think about when you travel a journey to someplace new that you've never been before, you're very deliberate. You pay attention, you slow down, you take stock of the things that are around you and you take the information in, like Ruben said, differently. Same thing when I'm meeting someone who I've never met before. I slowed, what we're encouraging people to do, slow down, get to know them a little bit more, be more intentional or deliberate. Don't rush in to just, you know, put me in a box and put me on a shelf and say, oh, here's what I know about that person. So, so that's actually a, a, a suggestion that you would have to minimize uh, bias. Uh, are there any other things that we can do to minimize unconscious bias? Yeah, there are a few studies that they usually refer to the challenges of unconscious bias, right? There's a lot of data around all of the ways that we tend to be on autopilot, but it's very difficult to see how to practically put it in place in a way that's effective. So, for example, one of the studies show that uh, just changing the names on a resume has an impact on <clears throat> who gets that position or not. And so we know that data. How do we now do things in a deliberate way that can slow down that process? So doing that can actually really yield a lot of benefits for us. When someone comes in and they are able to be diverse and they're able to be accepted to their maximum potential, we all benefit because we now um, have a multiplier effect where we ourselves now become better because we're thinking differently because we feel like we can. If you could tell us exactly what similarity bias is. And then I'd like to explore some other kinds of bias that, uh, that many of us may not be conscious of. So, wh so why don't we start with, with similarity bias? So similarity bias comes in, if you think about your social network or even your network where you live um, or your network in school or at work, and look at the people in those networks they probably are part of that group with you because you have things in common that you can all relate to. Whether it's we grew up in the same area, um, we went to the same school, we both have the same type of degree, there's a connection for us. And because of that connection, it helps us to develop a, a deeper relationship. So I trust you, I understand you because of those similarities. I feel like we're always on the same page. You get me, I get you. That similarity bias becomes a bias when there is someone who may not be a part of my network and I, I don't extend to them maybe the same courtesies or the same attributes as those that I'm more familiar with. But we live in, in obviously what is uh, perhaps the most diverse city in the world and we're surrounded by so many others who are not exactly like us. Wouldn't you think in this cosmopolitan environment right here, a block off Union Square or, or our various workout locations around the city, that uh, uh, people would automatically be attuned to uh, working with others from, from various uh, cultures and, and be sensitized to uh, uh, concerns they may have? Not necessarily, because if you think about our communities, where we live, right, and, and, and who we surround ourselves with. So within the very diverse metropolitan area of New York, there are pockets of communities, and those communities themselves aren't very diverse. I've naturally gravitated towards people who are more like me. We settle in the same area um, where we shop. We shop for some of the same products. So then maybe when we come to work, we're outside of our communities and we're dealing with 
lot of people, a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different experiences. And for the majority of my day, that's not always the space that I live in. That's not my everyday reality. So now I'm encountering others who are not like me and learning to adapt and adjust and include them and learn more about others becomes work. Now, what suggestions, uh, Nicole and Ruben, do you have to, to minimize unconscious bias? I, I think it's about slowing down, stopping, being self-aware, right? That we do, and, and acknowledging that you do have a bias. Okay, you know, people say, oh, I'm not biased, I don't know. We're not saying that it's bad. Bias is a reality, it's a fact. You have things that you're drawn to, that you're connected to, that is great. But we're saying when you're working with others, give them an opportunity to show their best self and learn more about them past what you see, right? And not just allocating an attribute to someone and go, Oh yeah, that Ruben, he's, he's got to be smart. He always has on a suit. He's always got on a jacket. I he's got to be bright. That is a nice suit. <laughs> and I am smart, yeah. so thank you. Thank you. One way I would look at it, too, is knowing where you are, right? Like Nicole mentioned. It's kind of like if I'm going to an outdoor mall, for example. Knowing where I am at that kiosk can help me see how far I have to go to go to my the store that I'm trying to go to. And so I can realize that, you know, I have a long journey. <laughs> the store is on the other side of my entrance, and now I may decide to do different things. I may enter from a different point of the mall, right? Or I can say, oh, I'm going to shop along the way, but I'm going to now create a plan to get to the store because I know where I am. A lot of us take for granted that we have unconscious bias, right? That we just have natural biases. And we don't, because we're naturally um, warm and, and connecting people, we may not see that. We have these biases that actually, you know, propels relationships, right? So then we may not do what's required to get to that journey, to get to that store, right? If you're going to go to coach and get that leather belt. So for you to know that I am here, and once you do that, that's when you actually have the best opportunity to grow. So Socrates, I like Socrates' quote when he says, um, I am the wisest man alive because I know I know nothing, right? And so really what he's saying is, I have so much room to grow. And that's the secret sauce is that I'm always looking to develop because I can now see that I have room to grow. So there is something about knowing it and identifying with where you are, and that gives you that opportunity to develop. Where does humor fit into this whole equation? So what we want folks to know is humor's fine, right? Humor engages people, it draws people in as long as it's appropriate. If you're using humor, um, in a way that doesn't offend someone, that's not picking on someone, that's not excluding someone. And, and it is something that, um, I don't want to use the word uplifts, but you know, as long as it's something that's positive and is helpful, then humor is absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine. So we don't want people to, to be uptight and say, well, I can't joke. Even making a joke about myself, right? So if I'm a black woman and I'm comfortable in that, I still shouldn't be making jokes about black women because that could offend someone else. So that self-deprecating humor, that's still not appropriate. Tell us about Con Edison's journey with regard to diversity and inclusion and how all of this fits into that. So we started our DNI journey as a company about four and a half 
almost five years ago. And at that point, we created a strategy and focused on four key areas of how do we advance, how do we become a more inclusive and respectful culture, how do we um, really show our employees the importance of the value for diversity. And with that journey and that strategy, one of the key areas um, out of the four that I mentioned was how do we advance diversity and inclusion through learning? So we came up with a number of different training programs, and in the beginning, our focus was on just creating an understanding and common language around DNI. The more we got into the strategy and how people interact and engage with each other, we saw there was an opportunity for us to go kind of go to back to basics, change some of the behaviors, um, looking at our how we interact, our cultural competencies, how we engage with each other. And unconscious bias came to the top as, as one of those topics or concepts that sometimes gets in the way of us building, trusting, supporting um, relationships with each other just based on you know how I may view someone. For, for example, if I'm sending out an email, and I'm very deliberate about this in, in my department, if I send out an email to my team, I do it in order of how everyone sits. One day I'll go in one direction, and the other day I'll go in another direction. That way no one feels bad or makes an assumption, Nicole always puts Bob first on the email. She likes Bob better. She's got a bias towards Bob. So not alphabetical order. <laughs> no, not necessarily. You can do alphabetical, but if that's your, you, you know, if, if that is the decision approach that you're making, it's a very objective one. There's no subjectivity in it, and there's nothing in there that someone could get offended by. Like, why am I always left off? Why am I not included in that? Is there some bias going on that that person doesn't want to include me or doesn't think of me or doesn't value me? Have we done any benchmarking on any of this? We've done benchmarking with a number of companies. We've done benchmarking with, um, whether it's our peer companies, other large organizations, we're part of a group that's called CEO Action for Diversity and Inclusion, which is about 500 different corporations. We participate in a global diversity and inclusion benchmarking um, organization. So the work that we're doing, we have looked around to see what others are doing. How does it apply to Con Edison? We look at our own culture to make it specific for who we are in the place that we're in right now. So it's it's an ongoing learning curve. It's, it's amazing sometimes, even if you're sitting down watching the news and you'll hear someone say, oh, that's unconscious bias or, you know, diversity and inclusion. And those are concepts we didn't hear in the past people talking about a lot. So it's it's not just in our workplace, but it's something that's happening uh, globally. And the data also shows that the companies who've done this right mm -hmm. outperform other companies so, and by significant margins. Yes. Nicole and Ruben, how are we pushing this out into the business and through the business? So in a number of ways. So today, by this podcast, one, one of the ways that we're sharing the information with our employees. But also, we have, um, for 2019, one of our goals was to have unconscious bias training for our managers. People take their cues. Our employees look to their managers for direction, for setting expectations, for you know how should I behave, how should I show up on a daily basis. So we're doing a diversity and inclusion leadership development program 
for our managers, very deliberate, very targeted and specific, and, and really talking to people and getting them comfortable in this area. Um, diversity and inclusion isn't um, an area that everyone is comfortable having the conversation about, but it's a, it's a people issue, right? So the more we learn about it, the more we become adept and flexible in the way we operate and the way we show up. Well, I think that's a probably a good place to conclude. I want to thank our guests, Nicole Leon and Ruben Jean-Louis. That's our show. If you have a story idea or thoughts about the program, you can send an email to podcast at coned.com. And please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. I'm your host, Bob McGee. Thanks for joining us. Until next time.